0: Welcome back to the Technician Academy podcast. If it's your first time tuning in, we sincerely hope that you enjoy the discussion. Our host and ASE master technician Richard Young invites respected industry thought leaders and the leaders of tomorrow to share their industry knowledge with you. Our guests explain how current and future techs are being impacted by certain issues that are specific to the industry, such as technician shortages, technological advances and a whole lot more. For this episode, we've invited Brandon Steckler to bring his industry expertise to the table and offer his opinions to various industry-specific issues. Brandon is an experienced automotive technician with a genuine passion for the industry. He writes for Motor Age magazine and teaches at the CarQuest Technical Institute and WorldPAC Training Institute. In the podcast, Richard and Brandon talk about technician training and also how they think that new generations of technicians can be reached. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Be sure to let us know if there's anyone that you would like to hear from. Your feedback and suggestions are certainly important to us. So feel free to shoot us a message or give us a call. Thanks again for tuning in. Here's your host.
1: Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're fortunate enough to have Brandon Steckler with us today. He's an automotive technician, instructor. And automotive rider. Welcome, Brandon.
2: Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Well, I, I thank you. Uh, you know, you bring some interesting perspective to the industry and in our short discussions we've had. Uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast.
2: I'm excited as well. Uh, the industry has been very great to me and uh, I'd really like to give back everything that's been given to me and then some.
1: Well, great. So... Uh, just give the listeners a brief rundown of where you're at in the industry and where you've been and maybe where you want to go.
2: Oh. Well, uh, currently I'm I'm still a full-time technician uh, at, a, at a full-service facility near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania called Bicot Automotive. Um, I work there as, a, as their diagnostic technician, and I try to offer uh, support to the other technicians you know, and, and help, help try and guide them. Uh, in regards to diagnostics. Um, I also uh, had the opportunity uh, about a year ago to submit uh, an article, uh, a case study, if you will, to uh, Pete Meyer of Mother Age magazine. And uh, he gave me the opportunity to place my article in uh, in the magazine. And uh, it seemed to work out pretty well. He's been real stringent and and is uh, teaching me how to be a good writer. Uh, I kind of thought it was going to be simple, you know, getting the content to him. But... uh, frequently he kicks my work back to me and tells me to make it nicer, so uh I learn something new all the time from him and uh feel appreciative of that. But I also uh I have aspirations of being a good instructor. I was uh given the opportunity to teach with uh Carquest Technical Institute and uh also the opportunity to produce my own class uh for Wallpack Training Institute and, and present it as well. So it seems like all these doors keep opening up for me and uh I'm just—I'm really thankful to have the opportunity. You know, it's hard work, lots of late hours and weekends. But uh, and like I said, the industry's been really good to me. And if, if I can give back, you know, half of what it's been given to me, I, I feel I could sleep well, you know, when I'm of age.
1: Uh, absolutely. So, so you've been an instructor uh, eighteen years, um, you know, or a, a technician, uh, and and I would say you've been an instructor. I mean. Being around the peers in the industry, uh, and, and I got familiar with you watching some of the posts and some of the comments you made on Facebook and and in some of the uh, different groups that we're in common group with, uh, you know, being an instructor, how how does that drive you? I mean, uh, you know, you, and, and being an instructor myself, you know, you get all different age groups of people in the class. How do you handle that?
2: Well, you, you know something? Uh, I learned, and I, I don't remember somebody telling me this particularly, Rich, but I do remember it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, especially, you know, I, I'm fairly new to being an instructor. I haven't been doing it long, less than a year. Uh, I've had a couple of classes hitting this with uh, my mentor, Jim Morton. You know, we partnered up and uh, and and put on a class we call the Diagnostic Smorgasbord. Board. But uh, being an instructor, I'll I'll call it an official instructor, is is new to me. And what I realized is that uh, if I I don't look at it as like I'm teaching or, you know, I'm here to deliver a class. I look at it as, you know, something uh, you've been doing this for a little while now and me and me and things have been working out, you know, as far as being an efficient and an accurate diagnostician. So, you know, don't. Teach anybody, quote-unquote. Just show them what you know and what works for you, and uh, try to hold a conversation in class and just make it a guided one. Stay on track. And, you know, I, of course, the nerves hit you a little bit, but I get my groove, and uh, so far, I seem to get pretty decent feedback from the classes I've, I've presented. So, uh, I just look at it as a, a way to try and deliver information. If I can streamline the process, uh, getting where I started to where I am now, took about 18 years. If I can do that for somebody else in a fraction of the time, uh, that's a a real goal for me.
1: So you might say shorten their learning curve.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I've I've always had an actor taking something. And, And even when, you know, getting away from the automotive subject just for a moment, something that some people might find difficult to understand or it just doesn't seem to click in their mind, if that makes sense. I've always had the knack to just say, well, "Hold on a second, let's look at it like this." And lots of times, you almost see that that light bulb go off, if that makes sense. So, oh yeah, I've always I, been fortunate enough to be able to connect with people like that, and
1: and, and that's that is a unique talent, and it's a, it's a talent that good instructors have, being able to create that interaction. And get that response from a, from a student or, I mean, I had worked with community colleges quite a bit. And, and prior to this position, I worked with automotive technicians, uh, quite a bit and, you know, being able to see them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see that now. I understand that. Uh, and yeah. we're all, I, I tell, I tell my classes a lot, you know, we're all, we're all ignorant just on different, different subjects. And, uh, you know, Very true you know, something that I explain the way I explain it, they may catch on to it. So yeah, that's a great trait for an instructor to have. Um, now talking about classes and you said you're fairly new, but you've had a lot of training to get to this point yourself personally. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. You know, something I, I've always been early in my career, Rich, I was a dealership guy. I, I originally attended training as a as a, a youngster, right out of high school, uh, GM, uh, the Step program, Automotive Service Educational Program. And naturally, from there, I went right to the GM dealership. That's all I knew. And um, I was always, I guess, taught that the dealership guys really, you know, they're the cream of the crop. And uh, <laughs> reality finally hit me, and believe it or not, it took about report of ten years till I realized, uh, and I don't mean any offense to any dealership guys but uh, the majority of uh, I'll call it the real the real smart guys are, are in the independent side I mean there's a there's a whole new level of creativity and uh, different kinds of tools you got to learn to use to the best of your ability and, and you need a deeper understanding of how things function to get to that you know the root cause of that problem so these dealership guys uh, they're given an approach and <laughs> You know, one way of doing things, and uh, just the independent guys, just they've got a, a whole different way about it. And in, in my opinion, it's been my experience. So, I uh, I had the opportunity one evening at the dealership. One of our our parts jobbers came around and was passing out flyers, and uh, he said, "You know what, Brandon? Why don't you Why don't you attend class if you're not doing anything? We're holding an ignition seminar right down the street here." And, uh, you know, they'll have dinner for you and everything, so I agreed to go. Well, the instructor's name was Jim Morton, and he was delivering his class that he calls the A, B, C, the of ignition. And it absolutely floored me the the level of understanding that this man had for ignition systems, and he was so confident that he could solve any ignition issue in 15 minutes or less, no matter the year to make the model, because he had this fundamental understanding of how the physics worked so i i was just absolutely floored by this you know at this point in time i was only really familiar with how honda and and gm did things so to hear him step up with that level of confidence i was i was fascinated by it so i approached him after class and asked for some private instruction and he smirked not taking me seriously and he said sure i charge a hundred dollars an hour for private instruction so I think it was a week later. We met at his place, and and went to his basement where he had this, uh, I'll call it like a laboratory student type classroom set up, and and we went over some things. And I was there better part of five hours. And yes, sir, he charged me over four hundred dollars for that day. But I'll tell you what, I was happy to pay it. And ever since then, he's taken me under his wing, like an uncle and and a nephew. And uh, he's been a, a huge part of my My progression through the industry and he's really he set a standard for me as far as training goes that it's it's important that you stay educated and the day that you think you know everything is a is a sad day because there's always something to learn so i always kept that approach to training you know if you if if you had an advanced basket weaving class and i had the time to do it i would i would do it because i think that the more you know the more techniques you can develop and and if anything helps somebody else understand when they don't, so the approach to training has always been that for me. I I always felt it was extremely important to attend training, and uh, I'll continue to train as long as I can. You know, as long as there's classes available, I'm going to continue to train and try and try and better myself.
1: Yeah, and, and this is a side note that that class you talk about with Mr. Morton, I, I participated. I, I took that class last year at Vision. Uh, he was there and and he didn't have it named the same but he still had that confidence and yeah i think that's very important uh because i mean we're one industry that and dealing with today's automotive technicians like i have uh you know if they smell that a little bit of he don't really know what he's talking about uh you've you've lost them in that class uh you know they agree. they'll walk away from that class and. And they'll feel that they've wasted their time or their money and you know that's not what the intention is uh as an instructor you know that uh you know you're there to to help them and, and like you like i said earlier shorten that learning curve now one thing that i see a lot and and i'm fortunate enough to get to work with a lot of aftermarket automotive aftermarket manufacturers now but um a lot of this training is going online and web based. How do? what's your opinion on that? A lot of the, tr- I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? please? A lot, a lot of the, a yeah, a lot of the training, uh, that t- a lot of manufacturers or aftermarket manufacturers are providing is going online or, or web based type training instead of classroom based. What, what's your feelings on that?
2: Well, I'll be honest with you from my personal perspective, uh, I enjoy the online training because it gives me an opportunity to train when I just simply can't get away. Uh, now, here of late, I'd be lying if I if I told you I had a, a ton of time to train uh, in a classroom or, you know, traditionally or behind a, a computer. It's just uh, things have been real crazy here for me here of late. But, um, no, I do enjoy the opportunity to train in front of a computer. And I'm going to give you an example here. When things tend to get slow at the shop, as, as it does from time to time, you know, you can clean and clean and clean until everything's spotless and you can stand around and do nothing. Or you can take that opportunity to, to go sit down, get yourself comfortable, maybe grab a cup of coffee and try and learn something. And I did just that. And uh, the perfect example was when I was in Florida working uh, for Terry Winter Automotive, <clears throat> excuse me, Auto Service Center, uh, I did just that. You know, it wasn't very often that we got slow, but on a slow day, uh, the opportunity was always there for me to sit down in front of a computer and and get online and train. But I will say, uh, in my opinion, some of my best experiences have been in a classroom. Uh, That classroom interaction, like I said, you know, you're in front of the teacher and you might absorb something and hear something come from that teacher that the guy next to you just, it's not clicking and you can see it in his face. And then, you know, break time rolls around and you lean over and introduce yourself and, you know, you kind of, you kind of saw the look on his face and wonder what the confusion might have been. And you can clear things up real quick. Another thing I want to point out is when those hands do go up in class and those little sub-conversations arise, um, there's, there's a wealth of knowledge, you know, these, these guys just sit in class with, I mean, uh. It's easy to take for granted that they're just they're there to, to learn like you, but a lot of these guys have got decades and decades of experience, real good experience, and they've got a lot to offer. And uh, to to meet these guys, and I say guys, I mean men and ladies, to meet these people and and shake their hand and and uh, I free, I love to collect business cards. I got a whole stack of them upstairs in my bedroom, you know, of, of people I meet and cross paths with, and these people become friends of yours. And now with with technology nowadays, I mean. I've got friends all over, heck, all over the world. I've got I've got a, a good friend in, in uh, Africa. His name's Tarai, and uh, we talk frequently, and he's like a brother to me, and we, we can, you know, get online and have intelligent conversations in, in, with other groups. And uh, it's you don't meet these people, you know, training online. You, you meet them in, in the classroom atmosphere, and a lot of these guys, have, I can see them easily being friends for life.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, and I experienced that whenever a prior company I was with, I had done quite a bit of technician training and, you know, it was in an evening and, uh, it was usually a three hour class, but it seemed like the class usually ended up around was over around nine o'clock and, and I was picking up stuff, but there would be three or four guys that or five that would stick, stick around and, and we'd start talking about the industry and talking about what the class was and just the wealth. Of, I enjoyed that. And we may sit there for an hour and a half, two hours talking after class is over that wealth of knowledge that y- you're exactly right. I mean, uh, first off, if you've got a technician that shows up and comes to training, he's serious. Uh, yes. he's there for a reason. He or she is there for a reason. They're there to, to learn, to glean information from you. And, and I, that's a two way street. Uh, I see a lot of instructors that are really good at bringing that out from their students, uh, you know, getting that interaction.
2: I agree with that. So I really do,
1: you know, we here at technician Academy deal a lot with community colleges and the younger generation. Um, do you think, I mean, cause you're, you're kind of at a point in life where, uh, you're comfortable with web based training, but yet, you enjoy on-site training also, and a lot of the n- things I see now, do you feel that the younger generation maybe is more uh, acceptable to online training, or what's your feelings on that?
2: I I do, and you know what, um, Rich? I have, I have some stepchildren that are uh, in their late teens and early 20s, and uh, I saw it over the years. I mean, uh, they were glued to glued to that technology, the cell phones and everything. So they tend to gravitate towards it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and I, I really think they are, if they can stay on target, you know, it's a, uh, you got to make an effort to want to sit in front of that computer. So I, I think it's very easy for them to say, you know, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow or, or maybe on the weekend. Whereas if they're in the classroom atmosphere, they kind of have to be there if that makes sense. So um, I think they would take very, very good to the the idea of online training. I just, uh, as long as they have that drive to, to really sit in front of the computer and do it, I think it could work out well for them. But I still, uh, I still think it's very important to get in front of that instructor and, and sit in class with, with your peers and learn together because that dynamic, I know it's hard to describe and, until you're there, but it's almost like going to a concert. You know what I mean? It's different listening to music on a radio, but you know, when when you're enjoying your favorite, uh, performers on stage with other people that think the same as you, there's a whole new dynamic there. And I think it it brings about some excitement to the subject and some really deep thought.
1: And And I think it's very key. I mean, I've experienced it uh, at vision this year. I was out there and was in a class. I don't remember exactly which class it was, but you know, there was a couple of gentlemen that were interacting with instructor and, and I learned a large amount of information from them. Uh, you know, so that on site interaction is good. Um, uh, you mentioned something there that I kind of want to bring out. Uh, sure, the younger generation being staying involved, staying engaged with online training. I mean, there's so much to draw their attention. Do you think, I mean, how does that play in?
2: Well, um, I'm just speaking from my, my own experience. But I remember when I was younger, uh, I always did have drive. But a lot of my friends were not very driven. And, and to put them in front of a computer and, and say, you know, here, you have the opportunity to try and learn something. And, and what they're hearing is, you mean I don't have to do it? I can only do it if I want to? <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of them just won't. They just won't do it. And, you know, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. If that makes sense. That's so very I true. Someone, yeah. I I love my training, and for someone like me, it's very convenient. But um, like I said, if you can if you can keep that that person focused long enough to realize that they really are learning and it's doing them well, I think that's going to be the key to my training is getting them to do it. Mm. To stick with it.
1: Getting a, getting the training and and creating a. a a type of training that draws them in Maybe uh, uh-huh. You know you, you mentioned That they're they're drawn to the technology And you know uh, I, I see training Evolving I've seen it evolve Quite a bit in the last 20 years uh, mm-hmm. But I see it evolving maybe, maybe the online training evolves A little bit more into a And I hesitate to say this But I uh, I don't really know how to say it without saying it, but you know, gamification, you know, drawing them in that way. Um, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Well, well how do you mean, Rich? I just want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding
1: it. Well, I, you know, them having to create interaction instead of just setting there, um, you know, and, and absorbing a presentation, uh, m- Creating and requiring them to interact, maybe maybe more in a webinar type atmosphere instead of a recorded uh, instructional based.
2: And, you know, I I think that's another uh, tremendous opportunity there. It's almost like a hybrid of both worlds, similar to being in front of the classroom, excuse me, in front of the instructor and your peers in the classroom. But also the convenience of being at home in your underwear if you choose to do it. Um, I was, I've experienced a few webinars and I, I can't recall the subject material or, or for whom, uh, conducted the webinars. But, um, it was a positive experience for me. Not, not quite as, uh, as positive as live in a classroom, but, uh, I did get some stuff out of it and, um, I was able to hear Input from from other, I'll call it attendees, for lack of a better word, other viewers. Right. So that interaction with the teacher, the instructor, and and uh, of course, I didn't have direct access to the other viewers, but through the teacher, you know, we could all ask questions, and the questions were repeated. Uh, I think that's a step up from online training, in regards, excuse me, from traditional online training.
1: Yeah, I. In fact, the last webinar I attended, uh, Pete Meyer hosted. Um, and I I think I can't remember if G was part of that too, but uh, you know, there was interaction. So it was a little more drawing and a little more uh, kept kept you involved. So we we talk we talk about uh, this training and how important it is and, and I know I hear from online and that's the reason why I was kind of dealing with this as as much as we are, but I hear from on-site trainers that they have trouble filling seats and, you know, we have uh, a situation in in this industry that we're going to have to fill seats either uh, at on-site training or some type of online training uh, because the vehicles continue to change. So my, my question is first off it's kind of a twofold question. Um, the technician shortage that we hear about, what's your opinion on that? And uh, what do you think has, has created that problem?
2: Well, you know, uh, rich, that's a, that's a good question. And you know what? I don't think it's just one particular thing. Let me, let me try to explain a little bit, at least my take on it. You're, you're a kid, 18, 19, 20. You're probably still at home with your parents. Um, not making very much money, but you, you know, you, you got your training, you went through school and you've got a pretty hefty, uh, loan out for that tuition that you're paying back slowly over time. Maybe mom and dad are helping you. Maybe not. I was fortunate enough that, uh, I made a deal with my parents that, you know, if I came home with, with great grades, they, they wouldn't make me pay the, the loan and they'd take care of it. So that worked out for me. But, uh, I know a lot of kids don't have that, don't have that luxury. So they're they're forced to, you know, live at home with mom and dad and uh, you know, make a few hundred dollars a week. Um I'm I'm gonna venture to say and I could be wrong, but they're probably coming home with four or five hundred dollars a week, you know, just a guess. But then you got the you got the tools that have to be purchased, you know, And, and uh I'm not gonna pick on one particular tool. Uh, manufacturer, but any one of them. You know, these tools aren't cheap. Good quality tools cost money. So when you're making four or five hundred dollars a week, and you know you're spending fifty dollars a week on tools or more, you know, and it's hard to get ahead. And here's part two of that: is you have these kids that are are coming into the dealership and or or the you know the aftermarket shops or the or the chain stores, and and what are we doing as as kids new in the industry, Rich? You know, we're changing oil, right? Yeah. We're rotating tires, so uh, we can't make a lot of money. We, you know, we don't we don't get a big salary for doing that. So we're we're collecting a little money and we're doing a little bit of work here. You know, so what's the incentive for the kid that's that's making just that little bit of money and he's 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 sweating his tail off, rotating tires and changing oil and, and running around, probably like a chicken without a head. You know, he's working his butt off in his mind, but he's not getting anywhere. And uh, and he's there's no I guess what I'm trying to say is it's very rare in in my opinion that you find a very good structured uh, I, I guess curriculum a, a way to move up the ranks and a way to continue to stay on target and and learn tasks as we go now I remember when I was in school I was on a rotation where I'd, I'd spend eight weeks in the classroom and eight weeks back at the dealership. And I had a task book to complete. I'll just give you, for instance, you know, uh, adjust ignition timing. You know, and I'd have to have uh, one of my mentors or one of the other technicians that was trying to guide me through that task sign off on it. And I'd, you know, of course, bring my book of tasks back to school with me at the end of that eight-week period. So um if we can keep these kids moving forward and, and make, a I guess, a deal with them. You know, there's going to be structured training, but also incremental increases in pay. So you know, pay for performance. If, if we can help keep these kids moving forward and, and show them that there is a way for them to make a decent living as a technician if they try hard and they continue to learn, I think that'll help. I think currently that's not in place widely. And I think these kids get into this industry Trying to do all the cool stuff, you know, the stuff that we see advertised and, uh, you know, work, working on all these neat new cars and, and hopefully being able to drive them and, you know, have fun driving them. I, I know uh, lots of people are motivated by that, but then they get in the industry and they start sinking financially and they feel trapped and they, they almost forced to to give up, you know, what they're doing and just, you know, stop having the tool payments and just walk at a restaurant and, you know, work real hard. At a restaurant make some money and they don't have this big tool of red, you know, and, and maybe feel like uh, they didn't have that sense of accomplishment. So I, I kind of, I think a lot of these younger guys coming in feel trapped and they, they get out of the industry as fast as they get in. But so that, that's just been my observation.
1: I, I think you're right. And, and Chris Chesney with CTI, and I'm sure you're familiar with him, but uh, oh, yeah. I watched... Um, i can't remember it was a keynote speech that he brought it may have been vision last year but uh the number he talked about was you know the 30 30 30. you know the student gets out he's making maybe thirty thousand dollars he has thirty thousand dollars worth of college debt and he's expected to buy thirty thousand dollars worth of tools and yet he still has you know, he still has to live and, uh, you know, it's extremely tough. And I, it's interesting. You say that yesterday I was in the office and my phone rang and it was a, a number out of Texas. And it was a gentleman who's actually a recruiter. Uh, and he has several dealerships that are clients. And, uh, he was asking me about an article that I'd written, uh, to flat rate or not was the article. And, um, You know, he's talking about this pay structure and how the dealerships want to stick with this pay structure, but they can't get anybody hired. And, uh, you know, we, we talked in length about that. What you just mentioned, um, you know, here where I'm at locally, uh, there's a Toyota manufacturing facility just up the road. And, uh, you know, a lot of these kids that go through the local community colleges are directly recruited by that facility. And you know, that student doesn't have to buy tools and, and they're making good money.
2: You know something, Rich? Um, you just reminded me of something and I I apologize that I failed to mention this, but a really good friend of mine who's a shop owner, a very successful shop owner in the great state of Delaware, of Pete's Garage. Uh he has a, a young girl as an apprentice currently and uh I think he's got a tremendous deal for her. You know, he's teaching her a lot about the industry and And how to perform these tasks as a a very good, competent technician. And I think his his idea is, if I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm not, but I'm pretty sure he he takes care of the tools. You know, if I'm not mistaken, he purchases the tools and and the idea that if this is one less thing that this young girl has to worry about, can stay focused on being a good technician. It's kind of like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You put in the good work, I teach you how to be a good technician. I provide the atmosphere that's conducive to learning and absorbing that comfortable, relaxed atmosphere with good information and good experience. And, and the tools are provided for you. I mean, uh, I know if I worked for a guy like Pete, I certainly, pro- you know, would be quite comfortable and wouldn't want to leave, especially in an environment like that as a young, uh, inexperienced technician. I mean, that cushion of comfort, the idea that this guy is going to show me everything he knows. and and he's going to buy the tools, and all i got to do is do a real good job and and stay motivated, and uh, I can see that easily drawing some loyalty. And uh, I think these shop owners got to stop looking at it as, you know, I don't want to, you know, why should I invest all this training and and tools into this young guy? You know, he's going to leave one of these days. Well, why not make it a point to try and keep him or her? You know, invest in them and show them that they can be an important, part of this industry and give them the training and the tools and the atmosphere and the information. Why would you want to leave and pay them a fair, a fair wage, something that not only they can survive on, but maybe even thrive on. I mean, talk about motivation.
1: Yeah. I I think it was uh, Zig Ziglar that made a comment and, and I'll probably mess it up, but, um, his comment was why or how is it? Um, It's better to train an employee and they leave as to not train an employee and they stay.
2: I agree. I I just read that recently and I think you're right. I think it was Zig Ziglar. Uh,
1: You know, and and you think about that. Perfect. It's, it's very, very true. Uh, And, and me and this gentleman yesterday, I, I hate to keep bringing up his discussion, but you know, we were talking about that and you know, His customers who are are wanting him to find employees, uh, they are completely oblivious to that thought, Uh, you know, trying to grow your own technicians. Um, In fact, he made the comment that they treated it like they were doing the technician, the young technician, a favor by even hiring them. And, uh, you know, I I just told him, I said, you know, with that mentality, they're going to have a tough time keeping an employee or getting an employee
2: we're we're hurting for good technicians in this industry and and good instructors as well and uh, i think we got to do what we can to you know not not fill holes but hire quality people and retain them yeah i
1: you know and you mentioned instructors and and i'm I'm excited to see people uh, of your generation stepping into the instructor roles because uh, some of us older guys are going to step out of those instructor roles one of these days. And, uh, you know, I just recently done a keynote for the Illinois College Automotive Instructors Association. And I asked them, I said, how many of you guys in here are 45 and older? And about 70% of the, cl- the room raised their hand. And then I said, how many of you? or have intention of retiring from your instructor position within the next five years and probably a th- yep. two thirds of those sure. raised their hand, you know, and I'm thinking we can't fill the bay with a live technician. How are we going to fill these positions of instructors?
2: You, you know, something rich that that really brings up a good point. And, uh, I read this somewhere and I love it. Uh, I think if you have the ability, then you have the responsibility. And I mean that in regards to if if you if you have good experience as a technician and things have worked out well for you, you're you're not only proficient, but you're efficient, and you can do so with a smile on your face and educate people or or become a person of influence. I really think you have the ability to do this, and with that, you have the responsibility. i think I think it's for someone who has that ability, should take the time and, and you know what I mean, and really burn the midnight oil, so to speak, and, and see if you can help give back to the industry. Because uh, I think it's going to be important to, to keep to keep the industry moving forward in a positive direction. Like you mentioned, uh, so many of these older, and I mean no disrespect, these gentlemen that have put their time in, and and women as well that have put their time in. Um, They deserve to retire, but the guys coming into the industry, there's more leaving. They're, they're leaving at a faster rate than the guys are coming in and, and staying. Yeah. And that's, that's a scary concept.
1: It it truly is. And, and, uh, I know several local shop owners and, and one of them, I mean, he, he does, he does very well. The shop's very respectable and, and he, he just come down to the point. He just hired a new technician uh two weeks ago i guess it's been and and this gentleman the technician he hired is is in his upper 50s uh still still great with his hands uh you know and all the knowledge that's that he's bringing with him but he told me he said you know he said i just hired him and uh i'm already looking for a young person to work in the bay beside him and, yeah, and, and you know that's I hadn't really thought about that, but uh, you know that's that's being proactive and, and positive with with the future of the shop. Agreed. So agreed, one hundred percent. So can how do we as instructors, as technicians, you know, I know we're not going to sit here on this podcast and, and find all the solutions, but. Give the listeners one idea or, or two, how they, if they're a technician or an instructor or a future technician, uh, a technical writer, how do they help in, in solving this problem of, of shortage?
2: Well, I I look at it. I feel it's my responsibility. It kind of goes along with, with what we were talking about earlier. I, I want to give back. And I don't just mean I want to give back to say I did it. I, I really want to give back and I want to help and I think part of my goal is like I mentioned earlier, I want to take my my experience in this case it's it's only eighteen years, but I want to teach somebody to get to where I'm at, but not do it in eighteen years to do it in five years because I think it's that's a reality you know with with getting organized and making a conscious effort I, I sit down and, and have a game plan on how you can continue to learn, learn how to learn. You can really do it in five years, and, and in some cases, uh, a lot less, maybe maybe in three years. So not only with that, I, I want to use this opportunity to motivate people. You know, I get a lot of feedback. I, I like to give, I, when I had some time before things got real busy for me here in late, um, I really enjoyed speaking with people on, on the Facebook groups because it was very convenient. A lot of people were on, involved and it was very easy to do right from your you know, from your cell phone, if you will. And uh I had access to all my, my waveforms and captures that I collect. I, I placed them on, on cloud based storage storage places so I can access them anywhere. And I took that opportunity to just again not teach but show people what, what works for me. And I got tremendous feedback from my, my peers because I didn't want to come on there like I was trying to be an instructor. I just wanted to offer simple input based upon my experience. And I always offer people to tell me their experiences and, and give me feedback. And if you don't agree with what I'm saying, talk about it and then see if we can all learn something together. And it really seemed to, you know, I've got a lot of personal messages from people telling me how thankful they were for that, that I took the time to do it. But uh, my, my point is, I'm, I wasn't patting myself on the back there. What I'm saying is, I, I felt like I motivated people to do to try harder. Yeah. And I don't mean just to be a better technician, but the ones that are excellent technicians to reach out and help people and, and you know offer what you know and see if you can help motivate other people to do the same. And my, my, my point is, I hope this snowballs. I hope efforts like the ones I'm trying to put forth motivate other people to do the same thing, almost like paying it forward.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: And, uh, I congregate with a bunch of guys and, uh, a lot of them, we, we've organized a group that we're, we're trying to help push the industry forward by a, a series of videos we do. And, uh, we go by the name train by Techs, And we're really just trying to do that. We're trying to share our experiences and, and do so in a positive manner where people feel comfortable, you know, talking about, Subjects, and and without without intimidation or bashing anybody, and I think that's that's kind of what we're trying to do is motivate people from from that angle.
1: That I, makes sense. Absolutely, and and I'm glad you mentioned training by text. I actually had it in, in the notes here. I wanted to mention that uh, a good friend of mine, Matt Shanahan, is part of that. And uh, you know, yeah. and and then there was uh, several gentlemen wearing the train by tech's t-shirts out at vision and you know i got to talk to some of them and and you know i applaud you guys that group for doing what you're doing uh you know bringing out and 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 as instructors you know the one thing as an instructor i'd love being an instructor because not that i i think i know any more than anybody else but I learned so much from the attendees and you know, I'm just up there sharing what worked for me. It may not work for them and and, and they may have an experience where it didn't work for them. And you know, you mentioned it, uh, being able to come together and, and talk about it and, and both of you learned something here, you know, the whole class learns from it. And I think that's yeah. what trained by text is doing, uh, bringing out that that particular aspect of you know this worked for me and you know and and i've seen some of the discussions on, on some of the videos you know uh there's a lot of thankful people out there that, that are thinking and then uh i think it's inspiring some to step out and try something new in their diagnostics yeah. uh that's it right there you know i And this used to drive me crazy and understand that I've been going in front of automotive technicians for the last 10, 12 years. And 10, 12 years ago, I would ask a group of 20 technicians, how many of you have a lab scope in the shop? And now that 20, maybe five would raise their hand. And then I would ask those five, I said, does your lab scope have fingerprints or dust on it? (laughs) And two of them, maybe three of them would say, well, it's got fingerprints. I said, is there soda rings where you had your soda can rested on it? Or is there actual fingerprints where you're using it? And, you know, it just because I at that time, I was doing a lot of training on fuel systems and using a lab scope to diagnose fuel systems. And, you know. I'm like, guys, these are, these are tools. Don't be afraid of them. I mean, I, I would tell them, you know, the, this lab scope is nothing more than a turbocharged voltmeter on steroids and, and you know, attack it, attack the job. And I, and I think I really truly believe trained by technicians is a great initiative that has gotten started and I hope to see it continue. Uh, it's something that I'm going to promote in every class I'm in, in front of tomorrow's technicians.
2: You know something, Rich? I, first, I want to tell you, I, I really appreciate the fact that you appreciate what we're trying to do. And there's something I do want to clarify. First of all, trained by techs, it's not something we want to do for profit at all. We, we enjoy it. We truly enjoy trying to help other people. And and I know there's probably a few out there that that don't agree with the way we're doing it. And uh, I'm sure, you know, there are other ways of doing it. And we're not trying to take away from how important classroom instruction is. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to offer a stepping stone between guys that do what they do and and want to learn new techniques. And it's the way I describe it to everybody. At the the end of every class I I teach, i I always tell the attendees that, listen, I'm not asking you to change the way you do things. We're all experienced technicians. We've got different experiences and different ways of doing things. And I, I think it's fair to say we wouldn't be here today in the classroom learning and, uh, and being technicians if we weren't somewhat good at what we do. Yeah. So continue to do what you've always done. But before you go ahead and, and fix that part, replace that part, fix that engine, whatever it is you're going to do before you make that correction, add this one itty-bitty test and just see if the results of that test corroborate what you already know. And if it doesn't, oh, well, maybe we'll try to test another time and, and we'll figure out what went wrong. But what if it works, Rich? And what if the testing technique is faster and more efficient and less invasive than your original technique? You might be pleasantly surprised to find out that you can take off the training wheel so to speak and move into this new line of testing and, and I'm, of course I'm just giving an example but you know move forward in a positive direction become more proficient and you know maybe try and have a better understanding of how things work and uh, that's kind of what we're we're trying to promote I think is a fair statement we just want everybody to up their game a little bit and uh, move forward in a positive direction and reach out and help each other
1: I, you know, and, and that's one thing I could see, and, and it frustrates me about this industry. I often say that this industry is the only industry that eats itself. But, uh, you know, you mentioned it, that you guys aren't doing it for profit. Um, and I think there's a lot of pushback maybe from not necessarily the technicians out there, but um, from training providers, let, let me just say uh-huh. that, and, and it shouldn't be that way. Uh, you know, things change, uh, and I compare this industry a lot to the medical industry. You know, twenty five years ago, laparoscopic gallbladder surgery was unheard of. Today, it's the norm. You know, good point. We as technicians, the Advancements have happened, you know, the, the, the old sun or bear analyze engine analyzer that today, you know, we take a Pico scope and how much can we do with that Pico scope that that bear analyzer couldn't do?
2: Yep. It's a very good analogy.
1: It's, we have to continue to evolve and it is extremely important. And and that kind of leads into my next thing. Your opinion has the automotive industry repair industry really represented to the vehicle owner what it takes for us to repair today's vehicles. Have we done a very good job of that?
2: My opinion is no, Rich. I don't think I don't think it has because I still hear it all the time. Uh, you know, the the older lady that lives down the street, you know, Brandon, can you can you hook up that little machine you have that tells you what's wrong? And uh I giggle at it. Of course they mean no harm, but I still think that that vision of us as just, you know, we're there to do this job and we have these cool tools that will just tell you what's wrong with the car and if the customer could get their hands on that tool, they wouldn't even need a mechanic. I say mechanic on purpose. (laughs) Thank you. It's a a lot different nowadays. And uh, I, I have no problem, I mean, no disrespect to physicians, but I have no problem comparing us as automotive technicians to car doctors. You know, there's a lot we need to know about these vehicles, and they change all the time. And uh, I think it's fair to say 85% of stuff that happens on vehicles has to happen. It's because physics are involved. Mm-hmm. You know, how a solenoid operates or a DC motor. But is that 15% that how each manufacturer does a particular, you know, it makes that ignition coil fire, you know, and things of that nature, or makes that fuel pump run, they do it differently. And we've got a We've got to be at least familiar with that. That not everybody does things the same. We got There's lots of information we have to access, and I think it's taken for granted that you know we we just you know we we put on a uniform and we go to work and we just start working on cars because that's what we do. I mean, uh, I, I don't think we did a tremendous job educating our customers, the, the people we do this for, on just how how involved it is and, and the mindset required to to troubleshoot these problems
1: that, and these systems that we, uh, yeah. And I think it's been within the last month that I, and I, if if you know, correct me or, you know, if I'm incorrect, I apologize, but I seen an article that Pete Meyer wrote was something, and I don't remember the title exactly, but, uh, it, it was in reference to a customer saying, well, just hook it up to that box or that machine and diagnose we and and i was around in the era when obd2 or obd1 or i can even go back into some of the earlier Ford things where we went into electronic ignition and 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 fuel delivery was electronic and i remember technicians being scared of that well i might say mechanics be scared of that but then the customer got the mentality somehow somewhere along that progression That our jobs got easier. Yeah. And I would argue to a point, our jobs, the physical part of our jobs, the knuckle busting, the bloody dry cracked fingers, the, all that did get easier. But I mean, we're not pulling heads off at 35,000 mile and, and doing a valve job anymore. But the mental part, the mental stress, has gotten harder. If you're a true good diagnostic technician,
2: I agree. And you know something? I, in in a sense, I think it's gotten easier. What I mean by that is, uh, technology allows us to see things that you know we couldn't see so easily in the past. I'm just just an example how elaborate our data lists have become on our scan tools. Mm-hmm. You know, and the calculations the computer can make and deliver to our scan tools so we can see it in a fashion that helps us make diagnostic decisions. From that aspect, I think things have gotten easier. But on the other hand, there's so much more information that we have to digest and, and how the systems continue to, to grow and, and work together. You know, we're talking about a twin turbocharged dual overhead cam. We're all four cam phase and gasoline direct injection all on the same vehicle. You know
1: what I mean? Oh, the technology. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. Yes, um, there's a know, lot, and and it only takes one. Uh, if you don't, if you don't understand how that system works, how that fuel delivery works, how and now we're you know we're talking about variable compression, we're talking about variable valve timing. There's a lot of things coming through the through the pipe. That, uh, you know, it just continues. The technology is going to continue to advance. It has to, and being able to, you know, get the customer to understand that I think is, is one step and bear with me here, but I think that is one step we as an industry need to really analyze and and really look at and, and take training on to educate our customer, then that will allow us to justify a higher cost to them. I mean, I've yet to see a customer complain about the doctor's bill. I mean, they might complain because they can't pay it, but they will show up and complain about the price. I have seen it as simple as the price of a spark plug, but you know, be able to educate them. And then we can in turn or shop owners can in turn, turn around and, and be able to sponsor that toolbox for that young technician or be able to justify a mentorship within the shop. Uh, you know, I think those, that, I think that is a key. I mean, everything we know as an industry circles around money a lot of the time, regretfully, but I think that's something that's extremely important is educating the customer. Agreed a
2: hundred percent. It's
1: almost like a paradigm shift here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. You know, and I really want your opinion and, and you, with your experience, 18 years in the industry, um, you know, you, you talk about some of the, the greats, uh, Jim Morton, uh, Pete Meyer, what would be your advice to the young Brandon Steckler 18 years ago?
2: Uh, don't wait so long. Don't. Don't worry about what you don't know yet. don't lack that confidence. start learning now. you know reach out and 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 make those mistakes, but learn from them. Um, attend training you know i I was so focused on being the best I could be at at one you know at the dealership, and that's fine. you know if you're gonna stay at the dealership and 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 be the best at the dealership but but just try to be the best you can be and uh. Again, with take the responsibility, be that go-to guy, be uh, a person that's that's accountable, someone that can be relied upon, a responsible technician that's willing to, you know, wear the logo, of the place you work at on their shirt, and and take it on as your own, like it's your own shop. Um, one that customers can look to uh, for advice and guidance, and and entrust their vehicle to you not just you you know you're just an employee that that's going to be working on the car but I really think it's important you know to, to be that responsible technician and, and one that the customers can talk to like a liaison more or less that would be my advice to a young person uh, coming into the industry just try your best and, and be accountable mm-hmm. and take responsibility you know for your own education because no one's going to do it for you you know but mm-hmm. There's technicians that you know I've worked side by side with over the years and uh, they had access to the same training I did they had the same opportunities there was no favoritism or anything like that but I, I I took these opportunities and I ran with them and I worked hard and sometimes that meant a little time in on the weekends or or any or evenings but um I don't regret I don't regret anything I've done I just um I kind of wish I got started earlier.
1: So I wish someone would have given me that advice 35 years ago. Uh, you know, it's, it's extremely important. Uh, it's not really any, I mean, the technology is different now, but I think these young people that come out of these schools are intimidated or I don't know if "intimidated" is a word, but they're intimidated to go into a shop where you know there's technicians there that are they're turning the hours and and good at what they do. I think there's some intimidation, and I think uh, I, I wish I could encourage each one of those young technicians to to step out and and talk to that older technician, gain that wisdom. Yeah gain that wisdom so you know we have talked about a lot of stuff brandon and we've really just got into a little bit of of where where i see uh, this podcast going and but you know one there's there's a couple other things i want to touch on before we we leave this episode uh one is do you think We would be better as an industry to show these young people a career path. Let them know that, you know, if you don't want to be a technician, there's other places in the industry for you.
2: Yeah, I think, I think there's some tremendously talented people, you know, technicians, if you will, that people that can train to be technicians and, and gain that knowledge necessary to be good technicians and grow their experience. But I also think there's more to, uh, a shop than, than just fixing cars, and and that's being that face that represents the company, that that person up front that has that connection with these customers. I'm going to give you for instance. Again, I work I work for Leicord Automotive right now, and uh, there's a there's a woman, uh, her name's Bridget, and she has been with this company for over 20 years now. She's the she's the face of the company. She's the person that our customers see when they walk through the door. She's the person they call, uh, when they have a problem. And, uh, this woman, Bridget, has learned over 20 years of working in the shop, you know, how, how cars function. And I think she's, she's very technical inclined as, as like a, a service technician, but she certainly knows what I'm talking about when I walk through the door. And, uh, I think people like her, People that, that know how to talk to, to customers at different levels depending on who you're talking to. You know, she doesn't talk the same to the elderly woman that comes in versus the, the kid that came in that's twenty five years old. And she has that knack. And and you know, I don't think that's something that can be taught. I think you can you can learn from other people how to how to pick up on that. But I think when you have when you have that skill, that ability to talk to people, uh, I, I just think, that compared to a good salesperson, um, if if you're not confident, you know, if you can't sell yourself, I don't know how you're going to sell a service or a goods to somebody. You know, convincing somebody to give up their money for for an object or a service, you got your work cut out for you. And I don't mean it to sound like we're trying to sell somebody something, but I just mean that when we're trying to educate customers about their vehicles and what's required to keep them give it that longevity that they're after and keep them on the road for, you know, money invested versus money wasted. I think we have to have the ability to talk to our customers. So I think there's, there's opportunity for people that, that have that knack to talk to people. And, uh, they may not enjoy the the technical side of things, but, uh, they may serve a a very important role in a shop, whether it's a dealership or an independent, like where I'm currently working at, uh, Brigitte. Again, I'll just bring her up as an as an example. Uh, she she really makes that shop operate. She's she's the heart of the shop, and uh, I agree. I, I think everyone at, the, at at our shop, all the employees and, and, and the owner and, and upper management would agree that she do the same with without her at the helm. Yeah. So uh, again, to sum up your question, I think yes, there's tremendous opportunity for other people. I'll give you another example. If you don't mind, I don't want to. Absolutely. No, absolutely. We had a man. uh, I worked for a a dealership uh, near Philadelphia, a Honda dealership, and uh, a man at the parts counter, his name was Kenny. Uh, Older guy, probably, if I had to guess now, he's probably in his early 60s. But this gentleman has a photographic memory like no other. This man has memorized hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of part numbers. He just knows them off the top of his head, and that ability to recall that information in an instant—I mean, the guy's like a walking computer. So when I approached the parts counter with a particular job I had to do, and keep in mind, this is at the dealership—you know, we're doing you know similar jobs over and over Mm -hmm. again—the time I spent on that counter was was minimal compared to what it could have been had somebody else been in front of me. And I mean. The amount of money that man has has produced for that dealership, you know, is is insane, and it's because of his ability to to remember and recall information. So again, I I, I think there's a tremendous opportunity not just for people who only are good with their hands, or are are good at are good problem solvers, because that you know we can't discount that. That's tremendously important, especially on service end of things. On Excuse me, service technical side of things, but the supportive roles that these other areas provide for service technicians in the shop overall, like a face at the counter, a friendly face, a trustworthy face, and someone who's knowledgeable what they're talking about, and, and also somebody at the back end of the shop that, that provides us, uh, the parts to keep moving these jobs forward efficiently. You know, and, and I'm, I'm sure I could come up with a few more examples, but, um, those are the first two that pop up into my head.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've had some dealer experience and, and I, I will be the first to tell you. And, and I tell people this all the time. Some of them look at me like I'm crazy. But, you know, when I was at the dealership, I was working flat rate. Mm-hmm. And, and people don't understand the importance of a good service advisor slash manager and a parts man when you're working flat rate at a dealership. And I, and I would venture to say it doesn't matter where you're working. If you're working by the hour, by the ticket, those two pieces are extremely important because time is money. And, you know, like you was talking about that, that parts man that knows those parts, I mean, and, and my experience later on in independent, uh, you know, you have those parts guys that know just, they just know, they know what part you're talking about and, and they know which level or quality level you want and and you don't they don't have to ask you 10 questions you know the right right. parts coming and i i will say this and and i have maybe a lot of people don't agree with this but you can have a, a the greatest shop with all the latest tools and the best technicians there but if you don't have someone good greeting customers and writing up repair bills and you don't have a good parts supplier, that shop will never be successful. You can have the, You're you right. can, you can recruit the greatest technicians in the world, but that supporting staff is extremely important.
2: I can't agree with you more. It's it truly is a team effort
1: Absolutely. and the more
2: well-rounded you are. I mean, uh, I think the better off you'll be.
1: Yeah, I agree. So a c- couple more things. I, I hate to take up a lot of your time. I mean, uh, but... No, it's my pleasure. It, this is such a rich conversation. I, I, I just, I, I hate, to, hate to close it up. But Not a problem. where do you see the future of this industry going from Brandon Steckler's shoes?
2: Well, if, if it works out the way I'd, I'd like it to, I'd like to see everybody try a little bit harder, put forth the effort. Those guys that know what they know, uh, share it. Help help your help your peers move forward, help them get over that hump. Motivate them to, to be better at what they do and invest in themselves. Um I think it's tremendously important that shop owners understand or managers, person in, in this position here I'm about to describe, supply your technicians with tools with education, and with information. I once heard Tom Roberts uh, of uh, Auto Nerds. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Oh, yeah.
1: I I spent a week out there with Tom.
2: Okay. I remember vividly Tom. I can't remember if I heard him say it or I read it, but I frequently use this analogy because it just makes so much sense to me. He looks at the success of the technician as being set upon a three-legged stool. And those three legs one leg being represented by information database, uh, two, tooling, proper tools, and, of course, the third leg, education. Now, what happens is uh, one of those legs is missing, Rich, you might be able to stay balanced for a little while, but sooner or later, you're going to topple. So, my point is it's tremendously important that, that a technician has access to good information, proper tools, and education, not only how the car functions or the system functions, but also your tools that you're using and, and and knowing their limitations. And I'll be honest with you, if if you give me those three things, I'm very confident there's very few problems I can't solve in regards to technical issues. And I think it, it's tremendously important. I've been in shop after shop after shop. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I'm kind of proud in a way to say I've been in shops in my career. <laughs> and it's not that I like moving around; it's not that at all. But I I know what I want, and and when I find a shop that can give me what I want, I get very excited about it. And the vast majority of these shops, you have to have a great technician. But trying to get information, you know. And I, I'm just going to give a few examples. I'm not calling anyone out as good or bad. I'm just saying Mitchell, Pro Demand, um, All Data, motor Logic. Those are just some examples. Sometimes it requires access to factory information. And uh, if you if you want your technician to be successful, get him those things. Get him the education he needs. Get him tools to do the job properly. And get him the information so he knows how these systems work and how to perform procedures properly. And I think if you can do that for your technician, you're going to see a tremendous amount of productivity and a lot less comebacks. And, oh a better experience for everyone a lot less stress and uh the whole shop moving forward in a positive
1: direction Uh, that's that's great i mean uh i'm glad i was recording all that because i mean everything you said is such a positive way to move the industry forward and i thank you for that brandon you know Absolutely, my pleasure. I mean, I've I've dearly, deeply enjoyed this conversation. I, I look forward to maybe coaxing you back on the podcast in the future. Uh, Absolutely, you know, it, it's it. I see so many things that we could take that were discussed in this podcast and make a complete podcast on discussion, conversation. And one thing I want the listeners, and I'm going to hit on it again. You know, trained by text. Uh, do you have any thing you're working on to, to post on the, that we can be looking forward to coming up.
2: I, I am, I'm, I'm working on a couple of case studies right now. And, uh, a lot of my case studies are based upon, uh, not only, uh, techniques I used to find a problem, but, but also how the, the scan tool can provide this information for us, or sometimes how we can make correlations with a lab scope. Um, so I am working on one now, and I don't want to give it away. I want to. I, I don't want you to. <laughs> but I'm I'm almost done with it, and we uh, I should get it over to Brian Collada. He's our uh, he's our web guy. He's really talented with the computer. He's the one that really polishes the work up and and gets it on in a presentable fashion. So uh, look forward to that here in in the near future, and um, I really hope uh, people continue to. Uh, view the website and and ask questions. And get involved because uh, again, that's that's what we're we're trying to do is we want to help. You know, we're not trying to make some sort of statement that that we're the we're the greatest or or we're even better than anyone else. We just want to promote the industry moving forward and and everybody step up their game in regards to taking their responsibility if they have the ability. And again, just trying to move forward in a positive direction. I think I think we're trying to move the bar up a little bit, and we, we're hoping people try and jump up and reach for
1: it. I, I think you're correct with that. And I mentioned it earlier and I want to reiterate, you know, I talked about that young technician going in the shop and being a little bit intimidated and, and the wealth of information that is on that website and on the YouTube channel, you know, I, I think that is a great way to start working these young technicians into overcoming that intimidation you know Thank you. the wealth of information is there I, I i just think that's it's a great way to work towards that um and like i said i i promote that in any time i'm in front of a group of of college students or high school students uh you know i talk about that website and or the youtube channel now the website's up and going and you know, it's it's good stuff to see it's really good stuff so um you talked about being busy i know you're busy we had some little bit of busyness that created this uh, time that we were able to get podcast, but what is Brandon got any, uh, have you got any training or instructor items coming up?
2: Well, uh, yeah, I was, I was asked, I was asked to deliver a class again in uh, auto mechanica this year in Atlanta. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm currently writing a class uh, based upon, pressure waveform analysis and acquisition. I call it that from the ground up. And the class is going to be based around uh analyzing capturing and analyzing pressure waveforms from three different angles from within the cylinder and from the tailpipe and, and the intake manifold as well. But not only doing that and using that to diagnose vehicles, but basically how we can correlate these three different angles and, and make a diagnostic decision. There's a there's a wealth of information that I think uh a lot is taken for granted and um it's available to us if we just if we take the time to look for it and analyze it. So I'm excited about the class. Uh, it's not complete yet. I got a bunch more work to do and, uh, believe it or not, there's the hardest part to that one is trying to figure out what information I can include in the, in the short amount of time I'm going to be able to have with these attendees because I feel like I can talk about it for days. So
1: <laughs> I, I can, I can wholeheartedly relate to that. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So that's, that's, that's a personal project of mine in the near future. And, uh, I, again, I'm going to continue to work with CarQuest Technical Institute and and World Pack Training Institute to deliver classes across the U S and Canada. And, uh, we'll see where 2019 takes us from there.
1: Oh, that's great. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see it. And, you know, I, I look forward to further conversations, uh, between us and, and, you know, getting some of that information on the podcast. So I I thank you for your time. I know, uh, I've taken away from family time and and I thank you for, for giving that to the listeners. Um, I appreciate it and, and understand it doesn't come. I, I don't say that lightly. I mean, I, I dearly, dearly thank you for, for developing what you've done, uh, in the industry and, and how you're moving the industry forward. I thank you for that. And I look forward to future discussions. Thank you, Brennan.
2: Rich. I, I thank you a million too. First of all, for this opportunity, I really like what you're doing here. And, um, I, I just want to say I've had some tremendous people in my corner and if not for those people and, and the people I speak with on almost a daily basis, my peers, uh, become really good buddies of mine. We all motivate each other. And, um, If not for these guys, I I truly believe I wouldn't be where I am today. So uh, I'm tremendously thankful we've been afforded the opportunities I have. And I just want to give back. Again, bring somebody up much faster. Don't waste as much time as I did. You know, get to work and uh, you'll be just fine.
1: Yeah. And you've got it. I mean, that's an impressive list of, of, of people that we've just discussed. I mean, just, you know, Jim Morton and, and Pete Meyer. I mean, uh, some great people to, to learn from. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly understand giving them some credit. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, I'm, I'm going to let you get with your family. Uh, enjoy. Uh, and, I, and I thank you until the next time we meet and talk.
2: Excellent. You know, thank you. This is a, uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, Rich. My pleasure.
1: Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Technician Academy's podcast series brought to you by Extend Performance. Be sure to rate us on iTunes or Google Play and visit us online at technician.academy. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Please help us spread our Respect is Learned message by liking and sharing our content on your social media pages. Technician.Academy, where respect is learned.